Hey there, before we get started, just a little reminder that the Upford Network's Indiegogo campaign is still going for a few more weeks. Currently, we've met the original goal of $2,500 for a studio computer, and we're now working on stretch goals. Initially, our stretch goal, which you've heard me talk about a lot in the last few weeks, was to set up a relationship with our local youth centers. However, the uh, governing board of the youth center got so excited about the project that they decided to take over the fundraising themselves and make the scope of the project a little broader than our campaign. So we're still working with uh, those centers, but that's going to shift over to another project that we'll know more about later in the summer. The good news is that means we are almost to our third stretch goal of being able to hire an intern for the summer. And hiring an intern will do a lot for the network. We'll be able to have a little more support on the communication side of things, um, a little more support on the editing side of things, and just work on gradually expanding our network. We have been adding new shows this year. We're growing in a really exciting way. It's really, we're not going to have an unpaid intern. We need to be able to pay them. So it's very exciting to be looking um, at the possibility of paying somebody a fair wage to learn a little bit about podcasting and also just join um, this exciting queer-led network initiative that we have going here. So if you have a little money to spare to throw at it, the link to the fundraiser is down below in the show notes. Uh, if you know somebody who you think would donate, a reminder that we do have a referrals program and you can win a value of $200 in perks just by referring people. So if you're interested in that, you can hit me up and I'll tell you more about it. It's been a really exciting campaign. It's always really nice to see the community come together and support us. And we're really excited to see what we can do with this money to uh, make our network grow and continue to bring you great content. So please do donate if you have the means. And if you don't, maybe think about sharing the campaign with somebody who does. Thanks. I'm Tefra Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you are invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Maddie Matthew Dever, they, them, is an autistic adult and parent of five children, with four also autistic, living in Carleton Place in rural eastern Ontario. Maddie advocates with both provincial and federal governments for inclusion and acceptance of autistic individuals and for autistic people to have their own voice in policy decisions. Maddie is a former member of the Ontario Autism Program Advisory Panel and a current member of the Ontario Autism Program Implementation Working Group. Maddie has recently joined the board of directors of CASDA, the Canadian Autism Spectrum Disorder Alliance. Maddie is also the host of their new podcast, The Autistic Rambler. Maddie is a voracious reader and supporter of YA Lit and is known to be lost for days in new YA worlds. In Maddie's spare time, 
heavy quotes around spare time. They are a web and graphic designer. Maddie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, It is always a pleasure to have you. I think this is the third time now that we've recorded together. And they say third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. So if you thought our previous episodes were good, this one's going to be great. So um, Maddie gets to be here so often because they are a patron on the kind of tier that lets them be here this often. So if you're wondering, why does that person have so much sway? It's because they actually give us a lot of money. So if you would also like to have this much sway, I mean, it's also because we like you, Maddie. I'm not saying we just value you for your money. But if you also want to know how you can be more involved in the show, you can head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast. Look at the different tiers. There's a lot of different perks and you can see what suits your budget and your interests best. Today we're talking about The Art of Feeling, a book by Laura Timms. And now, Maddie, you are the one who suggested this book, so why don't you introduce it? Sure. Um, I uh, I really wanted us to really explore diversity and disability and, and how they intersect uh, in YA, because it's important for people to see themselves in, in the literature. And this book sort of, uh, when, I, when I was going through a list of all kinds of uh, different different YA books. This one really spoke to me because it, it's it's taking a look at disability and how you know how it can change your life, how to deal with it, the you know the effect that it can have from in family sort uh, family family relationships, friend relationships, and really un- uh, uncovering how how it, what it means to to deal with pain and how pain and feelings sort of intersect. So this, uh, this is a, a really, really interesting book where it really talks about two characters that have the opposite experience with pain and feelings and both of them having to live and deal with trauma and uh, in, in both outside of, their, outside of their body as well as inside of their body. Yeah, so this is the story of Sam, who's a, I think, 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah, they're both high school seniors. Yeah, so she's a senior in high school. We meet her first, which is why I'm introducing her first. So we meet her six months after she was in a, uh, a, a horrific car accident, which broke her leg quite badly and um, also took her mother's life. So she, her sister, her brother, and her father are all still reeling from this accident, from the loss of their mother. And she also is is struggling to adjust to limited mobility and also chronic pain, which she has from this injury. She is very isolated. She's very lonely. She knew all her friends from the lacrosse team and she can't play lacrosse anymore. And she's sort of figuring out where she fits now. She meets Elliot, who we learn has a chronic condition which inhibits his ability to feel pain. And they start a friendship, um, which develops over the course of the book through a bunch of twists and turns. It's almost like a mystery in some ways, um, but Mm -hmm. like a a trauma-informed mystery in a way that I really appreciated. I will confess that for the first, maybe third of the book... I was really, it it reminded me very much of some of the trauma porn books that I read maybe in the early 2000s, so much so that I checked the date on it. It came out in 2017, and for a minute I was like, if this comes out in 2007, I'm going to be really worried about where it's going. But uh, but I found that it, 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 
the journey it took and the way it resolved, I enjoyed. It wasn't necessarily what I expected from the beginning. Because the beginning's very hard. It's it's very mm-hmm. sad. It's very lonely. It's it's so lonely, you feel the isolation of the characters. There There's, there's a, a, you know, grief is there. And grief is isolating. Pain is isolating. And change that's, you know, like a major change like this in a family, in, in, in a community, has a ripple effects because people don't know how to... People don't understand... People who are not disabled have a hard time understanding disability and limits. And mm-hmm. when they see somebody disabled, they don't know what to say, what not to say. And, you know, that that, that creates a ripple of isolation. And the person who's disabled, especially as it's new and it's changed, it, it's... <laughs> They don't know how to deal with it, and they don't know how to deal with other people who who they can interpret have put a a wall around them. And again, it's just you know, pain and grief have that sort of similar isolating uh, bit. But it's interesting that you said it's 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 like a mystery. Uh, it, right, very early on, um, Elliot is called you know Mister Mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, he was compa- there's two characters. Um, two male characters that are that are very there's a a strong co- comparison between the two constantly the other you know, character uh, Anthony and <laughs> Anthony is is you know you know Mr. Goodlooking very popular and all in in sort of a he's got a, he's cr- created an image for himself and Elliot's aloof and different and you know it you know, hard to describe so he's Mr. Mystery and so the the concept of unraveling the mystery is 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 present within him in his story but also it's it weaves itself through her story as well yeah the um i found so i mean i found the the process of sort of unraveling the mystery built by traumatic memory loss really compelling mm-hmm. which i think is why i said that um as somebody who has experienced traumatic memory loss and had to go through the same kind of process of of uncovering what was happening mm-hmm. uh it was kind of nice like i felt like it was not depicted as solely a traumatic thing i felt mm-hmm. that it was it was depicted in a very realistic way and I really appreciated that I found the memory loss was was absolutely framed as the protective instinct it is. Yes. Um, you know, our brains forget traumatic things in self-defense. Mm-hmm. And yes, the process of, of trauma recovery involves uncovering and refiling those memories when we have mm-hmm. the, the bandwidth to. But I, I, I felt that it was just uh, treated very, very well. And I've read mm-hmm. books, especially YA books, that do not handle trauma well. But this, I thought, was yeah. done really well. And it was, it was fun for me to read it as sort of a cool mystery and be like, oh, yeah, there is something kind of, like, interesting yeah. and neat about this thing my brain does. And, and the, like, the, the interesting thing is like, the, the, story, the story isn't about that mystery but that mystery becomes a good portion of uh, uh, as 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 we get from the middle to the end like you know it's it's there you know almost as like should we unravel this mystery is it going to help us should mm-hmm. we not do we want to know what it is and you know even when we get there to what what it is 
it's it's still it's it's not it, it's not the plot twist that you would expect it's it's something different and it's it felt real not something i would read in a story which is ironic because i'm reading it in a story yeah <laughs> it's not a hollywood kind of story no no I, it was so i think that the part at the beginning of the book, I mentioned that I had some difficulty getting into it at first. And I think that what was difficult for me was that we meet this family very early in the stages of grieving. And really, I mean, I've heard it said that that when you lose a loved one, you don't even really start grieving for two years. The first two years are just kind of shock. And that has like certainly been my experience that resonates yeah. very much with me. Um, so we meet this family very early in the experience. Mm-hmm. And you're so thoroughly in Sam's perspective at first that I was just getting so frustrated with the adults in her life <laughs> who were yeah, just or the, yeah. spinning out and not not paying attention to each other and not taking recovery seriously. You know, you see them sort of going to therapy because you're supposed to go to therapy, but they have this terrible therapist. I mean, maybe I was mad at the the medical system. Um, just it was just just a family who's very early in this process and weren't getting the care they needed, and the 17 year old who wasn't getting the attention she needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her 19-year-old brother who wasn't getting the help he needed. And and it really, I mean, it starts off with her family in a, in a very frustrating place. Mm-hmm. And then she meets Elliot. And at least at the beginning of the book, Elliot isn't really, isn't really helping. Yeah. Um, they really, like, they have to start from a place of both of them having their shit that is hurting each other. Yeah. And learn how to not do that. And it was frustrating for me, but having finished it, thinking back... I was like, well, yeah, like six months after a traumatic event, families are still just kind of picking at each other and stuck in your own perspective. And that also resonates. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think what's what's interesting, the descriptions of grief and the descriptions of pain are, are so vivid. Um, but there's, you know, the, the family had two traumas here, right? The trauma of, of the mother dying in the car accident and the trauma of of the daughter surviving but being significantly uh disabled from that and 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 her own depression that happened immediately which is very common when you're a survivor yeah. uh you know there's there's survivor's guilt there's you know there's the pain and everything there, it's it's wrapped up and you know she she locked herself away in a room and and you know kept herself apart from everybody for a long time that this family is now like she's she's come out of that but the family's still on eggshells you know one, she's described uh this way that uh uh i spent the winter in my room with the lights off and he's still scanning the sky for the bomb that will send me back into my bunker mm-hmm. there's these swirling bits of 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 a very understandably dysfunctional family dealing with the grief the way they are not the not, not. There's no right way or wrong way, but there's certain ways that are, are 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 can cause more issues. And this family is just the adults. Yeah, they're not dealing well. And she, this, the teen is. You know, Sam's trying. She's trying to move things in a different way, but she's empty at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She's starting off, but she's empty. Mm-hmm. Not feeling. She doesn't want to feel stuff. So she's put. 
she's put walls around herself as well. And Elliot, <laughs> her introduction to Elliot just smashes that wall. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a fission right at the beginning, and and that 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 intention of hers to just lay low, not not get involved, just you know, not feel for things, not connect, just opens up unexpectedly. Yeah, I think it's very, um, Sam is somebody who cares very deeply about other people. And we do see this develop in her, uh, in her family where she sort of mediates and doesn't take sides and tries to keep her head down and keep the peace. But she's convinced herself at the beginning of the book that she can just kind of go into her shell and nobody really needs her. And, and she can just kind of shut things out. Um, shut everything out. And that is, you know, unfortunately, when we try not to feel emotional pain, we can end up kind of shutting off all of the emotions because it's very hard mm-hmm. to filter emotions that way. Yeah. And then, but she is, she is such, uh, I think, extroverted person. She's such a people-focused mm-hmm. person that yeah. when she meets Elliot, who clearly needs social support, she just can't resist it. And that's nope. that's yeah. what kind of breaks it all down for her. And what's really interesting, you know, you know talking about her personality, Elliot has a... Uh, uh, um, he ends up... We, we, we find out that he, that he has had a, a lot of really detailed, focused, special interests. And one of them, the current one that he's in, that, that sort of is the, you know... The, the cause of the launching point into their connection, he is obsessed with the Myers-Briggs uh, profiles. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> and so he, he sort of right off the bat says, you know, you know, this is who you are. You know, you are, uh, uh, I, forget, oh, I forget the uh, the actual type, but um, you're, you're loyal. You're, you're, you're going to do anything. You want to fix things. You want to, you'll go out of your way to help people. And and she's like, but you don't even know who I am. You you haven't met me. Mm-hmm. But he observes. He observes everything. And um, that all all of the characteristics you were just talking about her, he just picked off right. You know, in in the first sentence that he talks to her about. Well, it's not the first sentence, but like the first bit that she, he talks to her about. It, he he sort of described her who she is, and and that the personality types and everything sort of weaves through the whole story. Um, as she's trying to, you know, one of the things that she that he says is like, you you can't do the test yourself because you're you're biased. You, you're you're going to see things as you see yourself, whereas somebody else doing it, they're 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 impartial. They're they're going to see you as you are, and she begins to see that and and realize that you know he is describing her in a way that she never thought of herself before. She's. Mm-hmm. She still feels broken, right? So she doesn't yeah. feel all these things. She feels broken um, physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, that's um, something that I really resonated in this storyline is uh, the way th- this, this idea that thinking of yourself as disposable somehow or as unimportant, negligible, can not only really hurt you, but can really hurt people around you. And that was a lesson that I really had to learn as a young person. I did not, unfortunately, learn it as young as Sam. But, like, that's a that's an important part. I think, especially for... Sorry, I'm, like, I'm like putting this thought together. Especially for somebody like Sam, who is very other people-focused, I think mm-hmm. 
she needed to get that perspective and see herself as somebody who affects other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's healthy to get into a place of like guilt because it's really mm-hmm. easy to guilt people who are depressed for abandoning their friends or whatever. And that's not yeah. helpful. That's always no. destructive. But being yes. able to see that you're important enough to somebody to be able to hurt them is mm-hmm. sometimes a really powerful motivator for learning to value your effect on the world. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 interesting, you know, she's she, these are her characters characteristics that's that she's never realized but is and is finally, you know, through the through the book is 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 gaining an understanding of herself. There's Elliot mm-hmm. <laughs> who cannot feel you know he has he cannot he has no physical sensations he does not know when he's hot doesn't know when he's cold doesn't know uh, uh sometimes when he needs to eat he, he can't you know feel things he can you know he's when he was younger he would bite his tongue and bleed and you know and one of the things he says like he, there's no there's no real difference between the taste of meat and their tongue yeah which we 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 would we would think that well yeah there's a difference but no he can't if you can have the feeling sensations you know everything's different and Part of the, the 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 problem that he's experienced with not being able to feel is the the not being able because he can't feel he he his difficulty connecting to others. So everything he looks at, he looks at the world very um, clinically, very mm-hmm. scientifically, uh, you know, experimentally trying to you know looking at how things go and, and then predicting other things. So relationships until until Sam. He's never had a friend. Seventeen years old, and he's never had a single friend. He's never seen the need. He's never seen he. He's never understood the social dynamics, and never seen seen the reason for it. But for some reason, there's something about Sam that's different. That he <laughs> he he wants to start this new experiment of being a friend, and uh, you know that's and, and Sam sees somebody who needs help. To know, learn how to be a friend and 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 take care of themselves. You now, there, it's interesting. They, they they both because of the 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 natures of their disability. Mm-hmm. The family, the, both of their families have not behaved well in supporting and nurturing and providing guidance and being well. Parents or, or or being you know helpful adult uh, uh, siblings, mm-hmm. and so they're 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 lost on their own, and um, you, know, you know both trying to you know coming again coming at it two different ways. One who has feelings locked up and hasn't experienced it because of the pain and grief. The other one doesn't have feelings because they they they, they haven't been able to physically experience that, and. You know the, the 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 connection of somebody who wants to, you know, step out of that and try, and somebody who's like, "I will help you because I need to do this." Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's an interesting dynamic that the the two of them have. Mm-hmm. And then there's Anthony. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about Anthony because Anthony, I find, a kind of an important piece of this puzzle, yeah. and Anthony appears to be a, a sociopath. Yeah. Um, somebody or psychopath. I always have trouble with the difference between those two. Sociopath knows what they're doing is wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. sociopath works. He just doesn't 
appear to have a conscience. He is completely self-serving. But what I really, really appreciated about Anthony is that Anthony is Sam's childhood friend. Mm -hmm. And she has a huge blind spot when it comes to Mm -hmm. him. And even when he's being directly antagonistic, even when he's hurting her, hurting Elliot, hurting her brother, um, she still sees him as this little kid Mm -hmm. that she grew up with. And because she has a great deal of compassion for the events of his childhood that harmed him, Mm -hmm. she has a lot of trouble acknowledging the consequences of his actions. And that was just such a a heartbreaking storyline and one that I don't think I've seen really done before. Like usually when we see the sympathetic childhood friend who's doing harmful things, they have a redemption arc. Yeah. And he doesn't. No. He he doesn't. He just, he is a bad guy. He is a bad guy who hurts people. And she has to figure out the way to, and we have to figure out the way to accept that. It's so, it's such a frank book. It's such an unflinching yeah. book. <laughs> there's yeah, there are there's no hold bars in 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 uh, how pain is described, how uh revenge is described, how the, the the way Anthony just doesn't seem to have a conscience even though he he seems on the sur- he's created this image of himself because he hated he hated the way he was as a kid. He mm-hmm. He assumed people were making fun of him, and that they would always make fun of him. And if, and if you know, you know, any, any references to things that happened in the past angered him and made it, you know, changed him almost instantly. You know, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of. Uh, like there were trigger words that that should mm-hmm. not have created the effect that it did. But it's because he's built up this image of himself, and, and he very clearly tells, you know, he, he, he clearly tells Sam that anybody that tries to, you know, change my image. I have to stop down. I have to destroy that. I cannot let it possibly happen. Mm-hmm. To the point where, you know, we, we think there are redemption parts. We think as as the book unfolds and as that that mystery of, you know, how how did the car accident happen, you know, weaves all the way through. You think it's going this way and you find out, oh, okay, it's gone this way. It was like, okay, it's like, I, I I see that. And then twist. And then twist. And you and you see, you know, his uh, Anthony's partner is very. He's presented an image of himself as being affected by it in a victim way. Yet, you know, in, in every in every rea- in every relationship he's had, he's made himself to be the victim. A rela- his his relationship with his ex girlfriend. He's the victim. He she was awful. She was crazy. You know. Uh, 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 the the way he uh, he manipulates people and then drops them and. You know, he's he's always got to, you know, he's been allowed because he's so popular and because he's, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's he's important to the school and the community. He's his bad behavior is continually excused. He's been able to manipulate everyone until, you know, (laughs) it goes too far. Um, And what's interesting is he's manipulative. So is Elliot. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah, you know, Elliot's Elliot's uh, means of manipulation are are are, <laughs> are are somewhat scientific, and they're they're not. You know, there's he sees ways of getting something to happen because he has been bullied constantly. Anytime people have find, you know, anytime people have found out, you know, of of his 
of, of, of his inability to feel, they've 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 turned on him. They've attacked him. Or this is the way he's perceived it, and he's been beaten and bullied. And so he has he's created this image where he's just going to say what he wants, and he doesn't care what the consequences are because nothing's going to hurt him, you mm-hmm. know. But you know, I I think we see as his relationship with Sam gets stronger and stronger we see that there is an effect that he like he 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 has these feelings but he doesn't because he's had no way ability to describe them they've just sort of bottled up so he's you know he he reacts in 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 a blunt way as a defense mechanism but it's also you know he 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 would be blunt anyways but he doesn't he doesn't care about the damage it might do because He's he's gonna get hurt anyways, so he might as well do it this way and 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 you know be consistently you know straightforward and honest and <laughs> to the point where I he he's he you know he he says things that will cause a problem, but he doesn't care you know he he, he I, he's aware of what will happen, but he doesn't care, but he doesn't do this in a way to purposely hurt people. He does this in a way to protect himself, kind of similar to Anthony, but not in a He's not trying to damage other people. He's just basically trying to. I don't know. It's it's, it's they're they're very, they're very similar, but yeah. very different. Well, they're very they're very interesting as foils to each other because mm-hmm. it's true what they do on the surface at least is not all that different. They're both kids who were harmed when they were very little, mm-hmm. and have never really been taken care of, and lash out because they don't know what else to do. But the difference is that Elliot doesn't intentionally hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, yeah. He and, and when he does hurt people, he is just a little stunned because mm-hmm. he doesn't really realize that he matters enough to hurt. Like, I think he sort of approaches things from this perspective of, I'm not going to live very long, so I can't have much impact. Yeah. Whereas Anthony is coming from a place of, I, I want to be important. I want to be significant. I don't ever want anybody to see me, to see to see weakness in me. Yeah, and Anthony has no boundaries, and we see it. Yeah. Uh, we see it massively. You know, as um, <laughs> his jealousy of 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 the of the friendship between uh, Sam and Elliot grows. His jealousy and his, you know, internal rage, the things he does. I mean, it's this book held back from, you know, from having Anthony. Anthony could have gone down a path that would would have with with Sam that could have been brutal, but it was brutal enough. Yeah, it was to to Sam when when Anthony kissed her, it was absolutely, absolutely uh, a horrible assault. I mean, it it was. she says, I waste gallons of scalding water showering the disgustingness off. Even though I take forever, I still kind of... Exp- yeah, it, it, it was just so traumatic to her. Um, and it, it's it's one of the things... I, I think in our society, you know, we... Just going on a, a little bit of a side here. I, there, there's... Our, our, our... The culture that we've had up until very, very recently... We, we've seen people, you know, guys all of a sudden just go up to a girl, just kiss them, and it's, it's somehow it's magically okay. Or, yeah. you know, you, you, you kiss, you know, that, that, a, that a kiss isn't really an assault. But it absolutely, you know, if there's no consent there, 
we can't accept that. Like there's there's uh this this one part affected me as if a thousand of other things uh, happened, and yeah. it was uh, it was so jarring, and mm-hmm. it was so you know done intentionally to make Elliot angry. But it it, it like if Anthony is her friend is her, her friend, and like he's abandoned. You know, I think it was it was the part that made us realize he has no principles, nothing. He's all about making other people angry, hurt, so that he you know keeps his thing. But it's just. It was so jarring and, and hurtful, and it and it and it really affected. You know, it took a while for S- Sam and Elliot to deal, be able to come back from that because mm-hmm. you know, you know, because Sam was hurt and Elliot didn't know what to do. Elliot sees somebody hurt and, and stepping back, being you know pulling away from him, and is going to leave him like everybody else does. And it just, it took a while to 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 for them to sort of find a place where Sam could say no. I, it's hard for me to not pull back, but pulling back doesn't mean I'm I'm pulling back from you. You know, friendships have, you know, something. One thing happening doesn't mean everything's going to end. And um, one of the things that, what I really like about this book, is it really is a lesson on friendship, mm-hmm. you know, on real friendship. And one of the things that really struck me is as she described it, uh, friendship to uh, Elliot towards the end. We could trade ourselves back and forth until we had enough pieces of the other to become more than just ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never heard a better description of, of of friendship. You know, it's there's a give and take, and we, you know, every every everything we share and share back becomes part of the collective of of our friendship. And he has never experienced that 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 you know that um, the synergy of a friendship. Yes, absolutely. I, I want to go back to what you were saying just briefly about Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yes, the scene where he publicly assaults Sam is yeah. uh, horrifying, really very well written, very hard to read. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really appreciate, uh, I think I've said this a bunch of th- times about Anthony's character, but I really, really, really like the way he was written. I think he's really important. Um, none of the things he does are like quote unquote that bad. Mm-hmm. The thing that he does that finally gets him in trouble is really the least of the things he has done. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and um, what's, yeah, it, that's true. And 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 it. But it was you know it, there's the realization that something had to be done. And I oh wow I mean I I. I did not realize when it was happening that the the thought that Elliot had put towards designing the thing that would eventually cause the, uh, the, yeah. the fall of Anthony. Yeah. I mean, it just it seemed like you know uh, you know <laughs> it, it honestly felt like that uh, uh, Elliot was being suicidal and trying to find some way to have somebody you know and he couldn't feel pain so yeah. he'll just throw himself at it and. You know, I, I don't think he wanted to die, so it's not you're not really suicidal in that way, but he just didn't have any care for any of the consequences to his body that may happen. And I, I in that moment, I had no idea that <laughs> the inner workings of, of how planned out Elliot does things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how yeah, and and how Anthony does not 
plan things out. He's very much... He looks like he's planned, but he's very much in the moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's just... Because he's created this 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 uh, momentum of his of his personality and of his and uh, uh, of who he's built himself up, it's worked. Yeah. Now here's what I I think is so important about his character, is that uh, I said before that like everything he does is like quote unquote not that bad, right? It's the summation. And what Sam sees of what he does is maybe quote unquote not that bad. And what tips the balance is when Trez, his ex-girlfriend, says, again, not very much, but just makes it very clear that when he can get away with it, he is sadistic and terrible. And it was really encouraging for me to read a book where there is an antagonist, a villain, who isn't overdone it's it's really clear that he's a terrible terrible person who's doing terrible things and will do whatever harmful thing he can get away with um but he is so subtle about it and so sneaky about it and so good at playing to the things that we accept culturally that he doesn't get in trouble for it um, and that he has to be tricked into doing something that's much more dramatic and public than his normal style. Yeah. And there are so many guys like this. Oh, <laughs> uh, there oh are I know. There so many people like this who get away with it forever. And, you know, you see him as he's going to Yale. He's got straight A's. <laughs> he's a golden boy. Yeah. And you can just see him going and becoming, you know, a Brett Kavanaugh. Like, that's exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so seeing him get stopped in his tracks early uh, by beating up, A, another white boy, B, with a medical condition, right, um, mm. is so satisfying and also so infuriating because that's the only way to stop him. But I really appreciated seeing that. Uh, just no, no glossing it over. Just like, even if what you do is quote-unquote not that bad, you can still be a monster and and capable of quite a lot. One of the things that people who work in domestic violence will say about domestic violence that I think is so important is that if a violent partner has not been physically abusive, uh, you have to always assume that they have not yet been physically abusive. and. You know, anybody who's been in a situation of abuse that was not physical, you always have to assume that it's just because they got out first. Um, And this is such a good depiction of that, that, yeah, it's just, it's so important to see that just unvarnished, that if somebody Mm -hmm. is a little bit scary, a little bit violent, a little bit manipulative in public, you have to assume they are much more so in private. Mm -hmm. And you have to believe survivors. Yes. And as soon as Trez tells Sam what happened, she doesn't She doesn't say, well, what exactly happened? She doesn't say, well, give me details. Well, tell me exactly this. Well, relive your trauma for me so that I can believe you. She looks at Trez's body language and she says she's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And that well, honestly, is... Honestly, yeah. Well, like the, the yeah. first time she... The first time you, 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 you've, you realize that she's remembered who it is, there's... Do I tell anybody... Like there's, but but there's like, there's a weird feeling behind this. She said that a few times. Like there's this weird feeling I have 
you know, uh, she's had this a few times in the book about different things. Uh, you know, the, the disappearance of her dog, which I want to talk about her dog shortly. But she had this weird feeling that there was more to this. You know, uh, Elliot wants to just go gang home and make her feel absolutely horrible. You know, just, you know. Yeah. He's... He wants he wants to you know rush in and fix it and punish and, and 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 basically have everything that was thrown at at at, at Sam and her family thrown on thrown on Trez. But Sam uh, Sam's like no, you can't go back, go outside. I need to talk with her. Yeah. And let her tell the story of what happened because there was this there. It's like you could tell that Sam knew that there there had to be something. A reason behind this, yeah. And so the moment Trez is given that opportunity, like Trez doesn't feel that she's deserves it. Like Trez is messed up because mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Everything that happened, you know, we 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 you know we see Trez as a different thing, and but we also see her growing from leaving behind the the life uh, with Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, because when Trez is a very different person. And now we understand why, but she's she's still also she's a yet another broken person in the wake of uh, of, uh, of of Anthony. Like mm-hmm. there's every every um, crevice, every crack, every pain, every um, experience that people have had in this book, you know, is comes from the waves of 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 Anthony's uh, just the, from the waves of Anthony and and mm-hmm. and, and and his uh, yeah. It's important when when somebody's sharing stories like this, you know, it's not our place to ask. Well, is it really true? Like, I, I, it's it's necessary to believe, yeah. Because it's it's if for somebody to share, even in twenty twenty one, where you know we're a little bit more woke, and it's still not. I mean, it's it's still we're nowhere near able to freely share the traumatic things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. You know. It's it's uh, emotion. You know, uh, when you've left somebody who's emotionally and 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 physically manipulated you and controlled you, it, it's it is so hard to speak about that. Yeah, yeah, and and the fear of not being believed is mm-hmm. so monumental because a manipulator can make you believe that you were the bad guy <sighs> yeah. just so easily. Yep. Talking about Trez reminded me that one of Anthony's constant microaggressions is uh, refusing to use people's preferred names. And there aren't any trans characters in this book. There aren't any overtly trans characters in this book, uh, at least. But there are a lot of people who have preferred names. Um, I do think we could very easily do a trans reading of Sam, but it's not in the text. Mm -hmm. I'm just applying yeah. it um, <laughs> but hey, uh <laughs> it's, it's over season you know, it's, it, you know yeah yeah that's that's what head, queer head, that's what queer cannon. readings are for um, exactly, but sam does not like to be called by her first name sam's brother or her full name sam's yep. brother uh rex does not like to be called by his full name trez does not like to be called by her birth name yeah. and anthony very deliberately uses not just the names they don't prefer but everybody's full names um just as a little fuck you mm-hmm. every time he talks just as a little power yeah. move which is the kind of bullshit that like business bro books tell you to do oh, um 
But uh, but that is such. I really appreciated that detail. Yeah, uh, and, and, as someone with a chosen name, you know. <laughs> yeah, actually, I like I like that I like that term chosen name uh, as opposed to preferred name, mm. um, because you know it. I, I you know it's the same thing with preferred pronouns. You know, it's not a preference. The, the, exactly. It's like <laughs> don't you, use the yeah, other yes, one. Exactly. It's you know it's your pronoun. Like my my pronouns are they them. I don't. They're not my preferred pronouns. They are my profit. They're my, my only. My yeah. Exactly. You know. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I go, I go now by my Maddie, uh, my middle name is Matthew and that's what I've been using for the last while, but I, 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 my, my, the name that I am using is Maddie and I'm, I'm transitioning from Matthew to Maddie, um, as people can do. Uh, but you know, when I tell you, when I tell you my name, that's the name I'm giving you. It's that, it, that's my chosen name. Yeah. That's what I go by. And you're seeing this throughout like the the family, uh, like the two characters that have the most problem with this are um, uh, Sam's sister and Anthony. And yeah. Sam, the the difference there's there's a redemption arc with Sam's sister. Yeah, you know she. I don't like. I did not like her through three quarters of the book. I oh God, really no! Like her. I have uh, you know <laughs> I I really 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 did not like her. I tolerated her, but you know the the. There's a redemption arc with her. There's growth with her. There's, you know, it, it's the difference between, you know, trauma, you know, people can grow through trauma and at some point, you know, accept the need to make the changes they need to do to move on. Anthony did not. Yeah. I forgot her name. Uh, Sam's sister did. Lena? Lena, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting, how, you know, uh, the... There's more than there's there's more than one traumatic event in this book. Yes. Um, and the relationship, you know, the dog Max, is is a inch, you know, the, it was the was the consistent glue that 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 you know kept that fractured family together. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, and and that dog experienced trauma too. You know, uh, one of the things that was said at the beginning is, you know, with with Max that. Whenever we return, he acts like we were presumed dead in battle. Yeah, and you know, just is so much. You know, I, I I've experienced the same thing with when my mom passed away. Uh, it just you know, end of 2019. Um, I inherited her dog, who was you know the only dog in the world I like and love. Uh, yeah. my my little Chewy. You know that dog tied me <laughs> to you know through. To and through the grief that I felt, oh, here we go again, uh, having emotional moments on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but it, it it tied me to her, and with her, as she was gone, and you know the the <laughs> the the health issues that my dog has had. You know, it, it's like I can't lose I can't lose him because I'll lose more of her. And yeah. And I, this family is was very much like that, mm-hmm. and you know. <laughs> the loss of that dog, though, could have fractured them completely, but it actually brought them together because they realized, you know, how much the love of that dog mirrored the love they had of the mom, and they and the loss of each the connection to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, death doesn't always destroy. You know, sometimes there, it's it's amazing how, you know through shared grief you come out through it yeah. um stronger than you were you know before it and uh 
you know it's just this book has so many really descriptive and real moments that are you know these are the things that people have experienced in their life and yeah. we don't hear it we don't read about it we, we shy away from it or we may take one element from it and put it as a as a as a, as a, as a plot device yeah. it's these aren't plot devices it's like it's weaving a story of real real reactions to trauma and feelings yeah <clears throat> i think the the thing that she says again is uh, again and again is that what everybody in the family can agree on is that Tito is like the most amazing bestest dog. Yeah. And there's sort of, you know, we see Lena's kind of betrayal of the family when she starts to try to pretend like she doesn't think Tito is the best and, and dearest dog. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. has to drop that pretense when he goes missing. Yeah. It's really powerful. And, and all her precepts fell with that. Yes. You know, she, she, she had project, she like Anthony had projected an image of herself in a way of dealing with the trauma that she experienced. And mm-hmm. she, you know, built it up and, and the facade that she felt that she needed to do with the family, you know, it 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 all fell when that when 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 her true feelings about the dog were exposed. It just yeah. everything everything fell alongside of it. And yeah. which was a good thing. When we're I mean, one of the things that uh <laughs> I, I believe is absolutely, you know, not true is one of the things that, that uh, Sam said earlier, you know, with, with, with the family and everybody being weird and different and, you know, you know, the way they were isn't, none of them remember, you know, who they were like, you know, before mom died, BMD and, you know, and she said that, uh, I don't mind the blank slate. It's a chance to remake myself into someone who suits him better because she was mm-hmm. trying to be something different for her father. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. No, it really, that, that that masking, that much masking, just creates more of a problem. And when you're when you build up when you build up yourself and your image to try to be something for that you want other people to see, it, it's it, it 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 hurts and it harms. And and I think she realized that. Yeah. And, and when she finally just said, I'm going to be me, and I'm just, I'm just going to let it all out, and you're going to hear unvarnished feelings here, and you know, feeling horribly bad about how she did after, but it's like, yeah. this is how I feel, and I've masked it, and nobody has known, nobody's asked me how I feel. They don't want to know how I feel because they're afraid I'll, I'll break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and it turns out that everything she was holding in was what everybody needed to hear, which yeah. is so often the case. Yeah. We need to wrap up, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I want to circle back to something you said earlier about this being a book about friendship. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, uh, this book reads like a classic YA romance, mm-hmm. but it's not a romance. Sam kind of thinks maybe it should be a little bit, mm-hmm. but like, and a lot of people sure think it should be, but Elliot's not interested in it. No. And as soon as she finds out Elliot's not interested in it, she's just like, well, okay. That's okay. Yeah. You're more important to me as a friend. Like, yeah. I, I felt a very asexual vibe. Yes, death. There are so many things about <laughs> Elliot that I I feel went unsaid but are mm-hmm. apparent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, this, this, uh, if, if he hadn't, um, if you took out his inability to feel in that part, he reads very much as an autistic. 
He's mm. very there's, there's a lot of similarities in his awkwardness, his 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 his, his scientific way of trying to figure people out and putting systems together. I know that's the, I have related a lot as a child that, that was way more than me. I was completely socially inept, completely couldn't understand people and why things that I said affected people. You know, um, and I, I see some of uh, him and my kids. Um, so you, if you took out that, you know, and you just dealt with the 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 social aspects and the the sensory aspects, you know, there's so much headcanon in here. There's so mm-hmm. many things that uh, you know people relate to uh, in these characters that aren't necessarily specified. But yeah, the, the, this is this looks like a romance. It feels like a romance, but it's 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 really a journey through friendship mm-hmm. in a in a very very chaotic way. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, and then and, and that's realistic. I think it's mm-hmm. um I think it's really nice to see a friendship that kind of takes a a will they won't they meandering mm-hmm. and ends up in friendship. Mm-hmm. Because that happens. Like that happens a lot of the time. I think that probably happens more often than a friendship turns into a relationship. And it's just nice to see that. I, I think, you know, we, we, we see so much in YA of, the, of, the, of love and love triangles and whatnot. But, you know, and, and, but we also hear, you know, uh, the concept of, um, you know, friend zone and, and all that as being negative things. But, you know, people develop friendships even in the midst of, of feelings, you know, feelings can come and can change, but the, I uh, I remember in the movie when, when Harry met Sally, you know, like the, the whole argument through the whole thing is, you know, a guy and a girl can't be friends. Well, yeah. they, they, they can be. The movie just, just, just you know, disavowed that. But like, The movie really, originally they, did not, and they made them change the ending. I know, Originally, I know. the movie had them. And I'm sorry, did I just spoil your point? I'll, I'll, uh. <laughs> no, actually, no. Honestly, that's that's a that's that is perfect because like yeah. it's the reality is, especially in in today where we can we're allowed to express our our feelings and interest in guys, girls, you know, non-binary pals, you know, it, it like there's we ha- we can have you know friendships and romantic interests and love interests and attraction and you know uh, friendship they can all exist coexist there there's not the the need for guy meets girl girl meets guy fall in love that's not the only story and it's good to see that in books especially books for youth i think i mean it's good to say it in all books but especially books for youth because this is a tear that i've been on this year but like (sighs) Just, just stop pressuring teenagers to get into serious monogamous relationships. Just stop putting that expectation exactly. on teenagers. Yeah. Just, it's, it's fine if they do. Yeah. It's fine if that's what they want. But we yeah. re- need to give them, we need to model more relationships than that. Yeah. And it starts at two years old. Stop yeah. trying to make, oh, look, they're going to, they're so cute. They're so cute together, you and boyfriend. It's like, stop. Stop yeah. doing that. Like, yeah. Just let kids be kids. Yeah. You know, we, we, we. We unintentionally sexualize, you know, kids, and and, and the idea of 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 of, of you know, uh, boyfriend girlfriend relationships way early. There's no need for that. Yeah, you know, let let friendships develop and and go where they're gonna go. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> this has Matt, been your parenting uh, lesson through YA. Oh my god. I think everybody's sick of my parenting lessons through YA this year. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't know. Like, my kid, she's seven. She's in grade one. And she she does get crushes. She like talks very openly about like falling in love or whatever. But recently she had a situation where she had been really into a guy in her class and they're really good friends. Um, and she was just like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really in love with him anymore because he wasn't really into me. And like, it was just kind of weird. She was just kind of like, yeah, it was just kind of like, I don't, I don't really, I didn't really want that. Like, I'm not going to, like, spend a bunch of time being hung up on him if he just wants to be friends. We're just going to be friends. And I was like, you have more emotional maturity than most adults I know. <laughs> oh, way more. Yeah. And, like, like let's, just let, let's just let kids do that, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Maddie, thank you so much for recommending this book and for joining me today. Always a pleasure to be here. You can book me anytime. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, do you have do you have anything to plug apart from your new podcast that's coming out so yeah the 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 new podcast is coming out uh you know, very soon i'm really excited about it it's uh you know i i'm autistic and i ramble and i'm gonna have uh guests on that uh uh talk about interesting topics and we're gonna ramble and rent and hopefully i'll find a way of uh getting us through a a, a, a narrative to the end um, but there's also my website, matthewdever.ca, where I, I do uh, talk a lot about different aspects of uh, autism advocacy, education advocacy, and uh, interesting YA podcasts that I'm on. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at yapodcast yeah and individually... I'm at Tefferbear. And Maddie, what's your handle? At Matt J. Dever. You'd think I'd know this by now. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon, just like Maddie. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus contents, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. You can even just force us to read a book. As long as it's YA, we have some boundaries. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine, Erica, Kat, Lizzie, Chantal, Maddie, Megan, Emily, and Emmett. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. This kind of support goes a really long way, a longer way than you'd expect, um, so please do it. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. They also have an album coming out um, as a new project under the name The Faux Paws, and I'm going to throw a link to that in the show notes. It's real good. This episode was produced by Tepper Ajemian, that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. 
Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do, because they're crazy, and they're wacky, and they're hilarious, and they're definitely real people, and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday, early in the morning.